Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. There is an art to the perfect prank. You don't want to be too mean. You don't want to hurt anyone. But some confusion, maybe a little anger... Sure, those are fine. My guest Johnny Knoxville is an expert prankster. He's been pranking people for decades. He's a true master of his craft. Knoxville has been the center of the Jackass universe for 23 years. Jackass is a group of, I guess we'd call them performers, who basically do the craziest stuff they can think of on camera. Sometimes they do something crazy in public and it's a prank. Sometimes they do something crazy to each other. That's for sure a prank. And a lot of times they just sign up to be tortured in some weird way, which maybe is a self-prank. I'm not sure. The Jackass crew have done things like cover their entire body with bees. Their entire body. They've gotten tattoos in off-road vehicles, like while they're driving off-road. We're talking about 20-plus years of Johnny Knoxville putting his body on the line. All the way through Jackass Forever, which was in movie theaters last year. Knoxville and his pals always married real danger to the strange and surreal. One time, one of them tied an end of a fishing line to a crooked tooth in his mouth, and then the other end to the bumper of a Lamborghini. I don't even like thinking about it, but there's something beautiful there. Anyway, it turns out that you can't really do that forever. Knoxville almost died making Jackass forever, like for real almost died. And so he's had to face down what his life is and what his career is without the smashing and the crashing. And the answer for Johnny Knoxville was pranks. His new show is called Prank Panel. He's joined by his sometime jackass colleague Eric Andre and Gabourey Sidibe, who brings both gleeful humor and the gravitas of her Best Actress nomination. Regular people come before this tripartite panel and pitch pranks on people they love, spouses and siblings and friends and co-workers. The pranks that the panel likes, they do generally after scripting it out and adding at least one giant explosion. I'm going to play a clip from Prank Panel, uh, but I do want to let you know two things about the interview that will follow. Number one, we are going to talk a lot about bodily harm because it would be very hard to talk to Johnny Knoxville about his career without talking about bodily harm. Also, we tape this interview before the sag after strike. If you want to support workers affected by that strike, you can go to entertainmentcommunity.org. So, Let's get into it. In this clip from the prank panel, the judges have just accepted a pitch from a guest named Susanna. She wants to prank her son, Nathan. He is terrified of clowns. The panel accepts the prank, and Johnny explains to Susanna what they have planned. You look great. There we go. Oh, my goodness. That's all. You're going to scare him so bad? Well, I still don't know how it's going to go down. Like, am I supposed to go on the roof? Well, I'll show we you. still figure it the- out. We're going to, like, in a few minutes, we're going to blow a light in the room to really okay. scare him. Okay. And then we're going to have this painting fall over there, and there's going to be blood behind it. Oh, 
It's really going to scare yeah. him. And we have Josh the clown under the bed. And Josh is going to jump out and go, ah, and scare him and chase him out into the hall. Okay. And when he chases him out in the hall, that hallway, it's going to be filled out of every room, clowns chasing him down the hallway oh. into the okay. elevator. And he's going, they're going to chase him downstairs, and you're going to be on the first floor, and you're okay. going to do the final, wah, to okay. scare him. So okay. he's going to be freaked out. Okay. Johnny Knoxville, welcome to Bullseye. <laughs> it's, it's really tough to, thank you, it's really tough to follow a prank without, you know, video accompaniment. Well, I mean, your, your exposition is so incredible there. <laughs> well, I'm excited <laughs> because it was actually a reversal prank, and she thought she was pranking her son who's scared of clowns. So she's going to be sitting next to me in the control room watching it on video. So I was trying to tell her what she thought was going to happen, but we had other things planned. You're an executive producer of the show. This is in part your show. Um, how did you think about what kind of prank plays on this show? How did you think about how you managed the the tone? Um, well, you mean for network television? Well, for network television and just in general, like you've made a huge career doing pranks, but you've also made a huge career doing pranks in a world where the rules are we're all good friends and we're pranking each other, right? Which is one right. kind of prank tone. But we also, there is a different tone when we're pranking the public on Jackass as opposed to when we're pranking the guys. Like when I'm pranking the public, I don't like making the general public, I don't like gotcha pranks where someone looks like an or uh, I don't like showing up the general public you don't i don't touch the general public you know but with the guys i can touch i can just <laughs> destroy them so it's a tone it's totally different and and that it holds over we're pranking even though it's pranking someone's loved one or coworker on the prank panel i don't want i don't want to it's not gotcha prank or making them look ridiculous or the butt of the joke but I do like to confuse them, you know, and... Confusing really seems like your passion in the... Like, with a lot of jackass pranks or the pranks that are in Bad Grandpa or those kinds of things, like, the thing that seems to animate you is what's the most ridiculous thing we can put on camera and in public? Yeah, I you know, I grew up big fans of a big fan of cartoons especially with my stunts they they're cartoony by nature but even some of the pranks you know like the giant hand and jack s3d that that was that was a cartoon and i like you know tremaine and they're like you know life isn't a cartoon i'm like i, I don't know what do you think constitutes success in a prank Success in a prank is all based on the reaction you get. You can have a prank that the idea is just so-so, and if you get an outrage, like for example, in Bad Grandpa, that was a little scripted. The pranks were all real, but there was also it was scripted the story. And for the story, we need a shot of me pulling in uh, a diner 
and hitting this big uh, ceramic pig. And the kid wasn't even in the car. We had a dummy for the kid. And that was the whole shot. I just pull into the diner, hit the pig, and then walk out, get out of the car and walk in. There's no prank. Well, as soon as I pulled in, I hit the pig. This angry guest from the diner came out and started yelling at me. And it's one of my favorite pranks I've ever done because he was so angry. (laughs) And I just, and it was perfect because whatever I said would only make him angrier. And it got to the point where I could feel, I could tell he was going to hit me. And we can't have anyone hit us because... we don't want anyone to hurt their hand, you know? And then it's like, it's no, it's not funny if the person we're pranking gets hurt. Right. Um, I don't care personally about getting hit, but, you know, we don't, tonally, it sinks us. So I, I love playing the game of getting someone as mad as they possibly can be and then taking them down and then making them angry again and taking them down. Uh, and that went on for 45 minutes. <laughs> just me and that guy it ended up in the movie too so and that was all based off the reaction does it have to be a negative reaction no because if you confuse someone that's not a negative reaction sometimes people get angry and depending on their anger uh, I can sometimes use that uh, you know, for comedy's sake. So a lot of times it's not a negative reaction, but sometimes you can make a negative reaction work. Um, it just depends. What to you is the essential difference between a stunt and a prank? I don't go to the hospital on pranks. Uh, I end up in the hospital on stunts. You know, it's it's a stunt is why I'm putting... I mean, the pranks that you've done are often like really physical like it's not it's not just stuff that happens on candid camera often it involves something crazy happening that could actually be dangerous well if it's on if it's directed at the guys yeah sometimes people have you know gotten hurt uh when we're doing pranks on the cast but we try to gauge it what's reasonable and not that I don't know if we're the greatest judges of what's reasonable, but stunts are just me physically putting it on the line and pranks are something different. You know, you're going for more direct laughs with the prank. A stunt can be funny or it can be like, Oh no, I hope, he's okay can be shocking can a, a stunt can be a number of things but pranks hopefully they're funny do you get enough of the excitement that you get from doing something really stupid and dangerous from putting on a grand prank where in the end you don't want to make anybody feel too too bad absolutely because a stunt, I mean, you got to have the crew there to, you know, capture it and set it up. And 
But that seems to be, to me, a more intimate affair. Pulling off a prank, everyone, there are 80 to 90 people that have been working on that prank for weeks. And to finally pull it off, everyone has to be at their best. And to pull it off, it's pretty, it's really exciting. It's very exciting. Um, You know, you just want to go around and hug people afterwards. Um, It's a different feeling than a stunt because if a stunt, some a lot of times if a stunt goes really good, i.e. bad, they whisk you away in the back of a car or ambulance. So, but I mean, you've done. Like you've done that once and then done it again many times. You know what I mean? Done like, which? You've done a you've done something that led you to be whisked away. Oh sure. And like, Steve O was on this show. Your colleague and jackass. Yes, my colleague. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, you know he'll very sincerely sort of meet you in the eyes and say. I remember if it was in this so many words, but like, he's just like, yes, I will do anything to have people pay attention to it. And my greatest pleasure is to think of the, the greatest of that. Right. And everything but bungee jumping, but go ahead and finish your story. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, and look, you're a performer, you're an actor, you know, you moved, you moved to LA to be in show business. I'm not suggesting that, you know, getting attention isn't part of the interest for you of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But the impression that I get hearing you talk about or reading you talk about um, doing the big jackass stunts is that it is like almost a physical need. Like it is like, the feeling that you get from putting yourself in insane danger and doing something crazy with a goal in mind, um, where pulling it off means potentially means, as you said, sometimes something going good means it went horribly. Mm -hmm. That that experience is what's exciting to you. Like getting the footage is what means that you did it right. But I don't get the impression that the main thing is, showing off no but i mean there there is that aspect i'm not doing it in a vacuum i'm doing it in front of a camera um and but i do think that the whole process with the outcome figured into it which you don't know how it's going to come out you kind of slip into magical thinking and, and, um, you know, get overly optimistic, which, you know, uh, half overly optimistic stuntman is, you know, it's pretty entertaining to watch. I did, I think, lose the plot and, uh, I didn't, yeah, the, the, the I, I lost the plot. I, I got a little addicted to it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it. I just, 
I was more concerned with the outcome of the footage than I was with how it was going to come out for me. Yeah. So, but with that said, I'm not sitting here crying about it. I just, it's something I went through and something I did to myself. And I realized that, you know, it wasn't, may not have been the healthiest thing in hindsight, but I'm doing okay. You know. Your I'm doing okay facial expression was like uh, one side of your mouth up a little, one side of your mouth down. Well, I was I was looking at you and your face is so somber and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I was reacting to that. <laughs> it's, it's okay for my face to be somber. This is national public radio, dude. <laughs> it's okay to be sincere on my show. Mm. You're allowed to. <laughs> I encourage it sometimes even. More still to come with Johnny Knoxville after a quick break. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. I'm Yucky Jessica. I'm Chuck Crudsworth. And this is Terrible. A podcast where we talk about things we hate that are awful. Today we're discussing Wonderful, a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hosts Rachel and Griffin McElroy, a real-life married couple. Yuck. Discuss a wide range of topics. Music, video games, poetry, snacks. But I hate all that stuff. I know you do, Yucky Jessica. It comes out every Wednesday, the worst day of the week, wherever you download your podcasts. For our next topic, we're talking Fiona the baby hippo from the Cincinnati Zoo. I hate this little hippo. I'm Jesse Thorne. You're listening to Bullseye. My guest is the expert prankster and performer Johnny Knoxville. His new show is The Prank Panel. Let's get back into our conversation. It feels to me like the footage piece of it is it gives you a way to say that you won and you did it while also <laughs> while also suffering horribly <laughs> you know what i mean like you can you can have some um you know some some non suffering some self flagellation you know some but you can also have that it worked feeling well if it worked we, we're probably going to do the stunt again <laughs> but if it failed we got it um also i would when we're shooting i would become obsessed with shooting to the point where on a couple of films they had to have like uh you know like an intervention to get me to stop because i didn't want to stop i'm a little obsessive like you didn't want to stop uh, shooting, performing, like go doing stuff in front of the camera. Yeah, like shooting on the on the the second film. Like, like here's another we idea. Shoot here's five another days thing, a week, yeah. and then I'm like, I I want to, I want to get a couple of guys and with a camera, and I want to go shoot things this weekend. And they would just literally film me running into stop signs, um, all weekend. I would imagine that one of the hardest parts of doing that job is that in order to go in the pen with the bull, uh, literally or metaphorically, right? 
do you have to enter that state that you described, which is like this kind of weird optimism, sort of self-denial, sort of like weird, uh, a little hyped up, let's go, let's go. All the possibilities are endless, ideas are good kind of state. Yeah. And not only is that just like hard to get out of in general, especially if getting horribly hurt means that you did a good job. Yes, because it becomes your outlook at that point. You just, once you get into that state, for me, it was hard to get out of that state. It was hard to turn it off. Um, yeah, it's the damnedest thing. Right, because, I mean, if you turn it off, you got to figure out how to turn it back on again. It's that's, like... Yeah, it's hard. That's the weekend. That's the reason you can't have a weekend. So you know what I, I mean? think I went for years, years in that state. And, uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm just coming down now, I hope. I mean, you must have had people that you love tell you to stop before. Yeah, sure. But I, I wouldn't, I couldn't hear it. I remember the first thing I did was for Big Brother. One of the first things, probably the first thing that tested self-defense equipment on myself. and Big Brother magazine. Yeah, Big Brother magazine, I'm sorry. And... You know, I got pepper sprayed, stun gun. I shot myself in the chest with a bulletproof vest. And my sister came to town from Tennessee. And I was really happy with the footage. And I sh I'm like, Lynn, look at this. And she didn't like it at all. And I wasn't expecting that. But I should have been. Because basically she's just watching her little brother hurt himself. And especially with the gun, if the that could have ended terribly. And I'm like, okay, I, I I get that, but at the time I wasn't, you know. And through the years, people did try to get me to stop, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't ready. Yeah, I'm not sure that I even thought that I could have. But the, the last concussion I got with the bull and Jackass Forever, it stuck with me like no concussion before. It scrambled my brains for months. It took me a, six months it was bad. A year it took me to feel like myself again and thank god because usually after a head injury after a year is wherever place you're at after a year is where you're going to be so i had to go on antidepressants my brain was just playing tricks on me and it got worse and worse like first month you know foggy second month uh, still foggy. My cognitive skills were, I took some tests. They were not good. Um, but the fourth and fifth, it was just, it was just all bad. So I'm like, yeah, may, maybe, uh, maybe I did the thing. 
maybe I've done my time and I have n- I don't have anything to prove. I have kids. So maybe uh you know, it, it was time. I imagine that part of it is that you know, your career is so intimately tied to this group of people that you love. Mm-hmm. And you've seen every kind of outcome happen in that group of people. You know, we talked about Steve-O, like Steve-O had very serious addiction problems that he's really seems to have engaged really head on. You know, you had a colleague fired from the last movie because he was struggling so bad, this was not able to be healthy in work. Yeah. You had one of your collaborators died a decade ago now. And you also, I'm sure, just had people that were doing okay and wanted to work too. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like every possible kind of outcome. And it's all tied into this, like, the group of you together. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So everybody is, like, weirdly responsible to everyone else. Yes. Yeah. And... I I feel that, you know, when we haven't done a movie in a while, the guys have always, they're wanting to do another, but it was me who I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't see it right now. I didn't know if we would, but every now and then they get frustrated and I get a big group email. And a few of them were really laying into me. And I can't, and as uncomfortable as that is, I can't let that uh, affect my decision to do another one. Because if I'm doing it for that reason, because everyone's on me, it's not the right reason. I can't succumb to that. I love the guys. They're my family, but... I to do what we do, you have to really want to do it. You can't go into a stunt halfway wanting to do it because that's when someone gets really injured, and you're probably going to get hurt anyway. But you have to totally commit, and I only feel like that ever so often. So. I'm like a fan of Jackass. Like, I really enjoy it. Thank you. And when I heard you say that you don't want to go into it for the wrong reason, I literally had the thought, trying to figure out in my head, what is the right reason to do this? It's like, I'm not sure. I don't know if I know what the right reason is to... I do love... Me and the guys and now girls together, all together as a group. Because it's something I created with my friends. These per- people weren't strangers. And it's very special to me. And the the reaction and laughter that we can bring to people means a lot to me. So the right reason for me was whenever I got that 
feeling I couldn't get out of my head of like, because I was always right. I always write ideas. I still write ideas and just mail them to myself. But when I get that itch, I'm like, I got it. We, let's go. I have to do this now. We have to shoot these ideas. I feel that to me is a good bellwether of what I need to be doing. Like I have to get it out of my system because it becomes um, all consuming. So, yeah, that that's that's when it's go time. Is it possible that that is the wrong reason to do it? No, I don't think so. No, whenever the desire is there and the inspiration is there and the energy is just boiling over, that's when it's time. Because I know we're all together and I know what we can do and what we've done and I think we can do it again. And I know that it also, it, when we do it, it, it creates a, like a tidal wave of positivity in everyone's life. Our guys, like as we just discussed, have uh, all of us have suffered through things and are, you know, some are suffering through things. But I think people come to the table with certain things. Some of those things are going to come up with or without us together. And some of the things were hastened along by all of us together. But at the end of the day, jackass is what we do. I've been in the fringes of comedy for a long time. Me and, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is like, I really don't think there is anything that, I mean, not even 30 Rock or Cheers or something, Airplane, that comedy people I know agree on as universally and enthusiastically as jackass. Oh, thank you. And it, it must be funny to like be in this position where at least within this, you know, plenty of opinions, opinions vary across the breadth of this great nation on jackass still, but, sure. um, but within this community, almost universal reverence and you've done it by doing like the weirdest most self-destructive <laughs> like it just coming up with the most creative nightmares to endure yes you're like couldn't i just have written that one joke where alec baldwin says never go with a hippie to a second location ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's an odd path but it's the path I took and we took and and honestly I, I don't think I knew how to do it the other way. I found a way to do comedy from a point of view that I not only you know had inside of me but I felt like I 
can do this. I see a way in. You know, I I would have loved to have written for your show of shows, you know, and sat next to Mel Brooks and Larry Gelbhart and, you know, Carl Reiner. And, but I, I, this is, this is my version of funny. Do you feel good about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they all weren't hits, not everything we ever, but overall, yeah, I'm proud of, what we did and what we could do again if, you know, we ever got the feeling. If you can figure out what the version of it is that doesn't involve your head at well, all. Well, <laughs> I would just have to be, I could do pranks and and be more behind the scenes like Tremaine, you know, because he was always the coach and I was the player coach. And I, I guess you'd have uh, two coaches. Just switch to all prank call format. <laughs> Just nothing but prank calls. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of my teen years. Stick around. More Bullseye Around the Corner from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show. And this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of the show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I'd discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Johnny Knoxville. He's the co-host of the new reality show, The Prank Panel, it's about pranks. Everyday people come in, pitch ideas to a celebrity panel, and from there, the panel decides if it's a prank that they would like to perform. Then they punch it up and they let it rip in real life. Let's get into the rest of our conversation. Do you think you could be happy being an entertainer where, look, I'm not going to ask you to say anything about this of yourself. I say you're handsome and charismatic. Oh, come on. To Mario Lopez off into the sunset if you wanted to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could literally just say, uh, look, I'm I'm made a long career of being Johnny Knoxville to the point where I'm now pretty famous. I can use that plus these sk- entertainment skills and gifts I have to just do something simple. Um do you think yeah. that you could do entertainment things that don't involve danger or suffering? I can I can do entertainment. Like you like can I, like what I when I say can you, what I'm saying is you can. Like you're capable in my opinion as the head of show business. The president of show business. Yeah. Uh I I think you're fully capable of doing those things. My question to you is can you for yourself, can you be comfortable and happy and feel like a productive artist uh, or whatever it is that you need to be alive and do your thing if there's no danger or suffering? 
Um, I like to be challenged, right? And I think even with with pranks, there's there's danger involved. Any number of things can go wrong. I just think I need to be challenged, and I I don't think that I'm able to just phone it in the rest of a career. What could possibly challenge you, though, the way literal, imminent, physical danger and suffering challenge you? Um, failure is a challenge. Um, whether you're making a documentary or, you know, a scripted film, that's a challenge. Like, you have people that are working for you and you want this thing to continue and be successful. Uh, you have people relying on you. You want to make something as as great as it could be. And I and whatever I do, like whether it's been successful or not, I I I uh take it inside me and want, you know, and really I guess it come back to obsession. I get obsessed with wanting it to to succeed. So I think yes, I can do away. I, I've I've wrapped my head around like I'm not going to do the bigger stunts anymore where I'm going, I can't get another concussion. Smaller stunts I'm okay with, you know, no care about my wrist or ankle so much, but I know what you're saying. I, I don't, I don't see me phoning it in. Even if seriously, Terrence Malick calls you tomorrow. He says, we're making Thin Red Line 2, I need you to be at the center of it. That's a challenge. That's as big an artistic That's a challenge cha yeah, as there it's a, could be, it's a right? a big challenge. But for someone whose career has been built on confronting literal death, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a different scale of challenge. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I understand what you're saying. Um, like the like the fear of, I mean, you're talking about the challenge of like you have people in your employ that you don't want to disappoint or you don't want to be embarrassed, you don't want to do a bad job. Are those challenges able to sustain you? Where previously in place you had, I go on camera and almost die. I don't want to disappoint the people I'm working with, and I don't want to disappoint myself. I am very hard on myself. So I have no problem with motivation. And my life's not, so say my life's not, not on the line anymore. That's, that's a good thing. And as weird as that is to say, I do miss it. I don't believe for a moment that you have a problem with motivation. You're obviously intensely motivated to make work and make art. I guess what I'm wondering is, 
about security, satisfaction, you know, stability, you know, those things. No, I'm the most, I, now as I sit before you, I am the best version of myself that I've ever been. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. Um, in my line of work, doing what I had to do, I wasn't in a healthy mindset, right? So not only am I the, the, the healthiest I've ever been, I'm proud of that. I take pride in that. I'm putting the pride I took, putting my life on the line, I'm putting that in a trunk and putting it up in the attic because that doesn't serve me now. Doesn't serve my kids or my family. And, I, and uh, I'm okay with that, you know? Of course I'm okay with that. When I'm preparing for one of these interviews, I read like, I'll read, you know, if they're available, I'll read 20 or 30 or 40 profiles or long-form interviews with the person that I'm going to talk to. And um, one of the late motifs in the ones over the past five, seven years with you was this kind of like character moment slash running gag somewhere in between, which was you saying, well, I've been in therapy for quite some time, but I make sure not to have my therapist address whatever it is that makes me need to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't joking either. Do you feel like you can or have asked your therapist, maybe we can work on what leads me to dance around in front of a ball? Uh, no, that's that's been discussed, you know. We're now into the nitty-gritty. <laughs> it's time. You know, you might look at it and go, well, it's tough to get the toothpaste back in the tube, but um, I don't feel that way. I feel like I can have a brand new day moving forward and be in the moment, have, you know, care about my self-worth and where I get esteem. Give myself a break. You can't beat yourself up. You can. You can. It's tough. And in your case, you can literally, for example, shoot your own self <laughs> in the chest. And have a great career. Or a career. Great is presumptuous. But... um yeah, it's just the, the mentally and emotionally beating yourself up. That's what gets you. And sometimes physical, kids. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful for your time and for your incredible work. And uh, Oh, thank you. I think you deserve to give yourself all the breaks you can manage. Oh, yeah. I think it will only make you stronger. Don't worry. <laughs> thank you. Johnny Knoxville. His new show is called The Prank Panel. You can check it out streaming now. The pranks are bonkers. The latest Jackass movie was called Jackass Forever. It is both stomach-churning and genuinely amazing. 
You can rent or buy that pretty much anywhere. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. At my house, another giant branch fell out of this tree on the sidewalk out front. Anyway, it's a beautiful tree. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. You think I'm old? This is what I talk about. I have my own radio show. I'm just complaining about this tree. Our production fellow at Maximum Fun is Brianna Paz. We get booking help from Mara Davis. Our interstitial music is by DJW, great Dan Wally. Dan is on Instagram uh, at DJW Sounds, and he posts almost every morning. He'll post a new beat with a little video that he made for it. It's like his like morning practice, and it's so cool. So you should go follow Dan on Instagram, DJW Sounds. Our theme song is called Huddle Formation, written and recorded by the Go Team. Thanks to the Go Team. Thanks to their label, Memphis Industries. Bullseye is on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us in those places. Follow us. We will share our interviews with you there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.